Welcome to Chandler United Methodist Church as we come to worship together online. You know, for all of the energy that our cultural religion has given to why Jesus died, you might expect that Jesus told us outright that human sin is the problem and that God needed to be appeased. But Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't even imply it. He no, never do the words come out of Jesus. Never does he say, after I die on the cross, then your sins will be forgiven. No. Jesus does, however, interpret his cross. He does tell us why he did what he did. The Gospels tell us that a cross is what happens when you are an advocate for those the powerful want left out. A cross is what happens when you tell the truth to powerful people who do not want to hear it. A cross is what happens when you expose shysters for what they really are. I understand why our cultural religion finds it so attractive to focus on blood sacrifice and gore and veins hanging out and vague ideas of Jesus dying for my sins supported by very carefully selected scriptures. I understand the attraction of singing hymns about a fountain filled with blood, washing away my sins, placating the anger of God on high. I get it. The attraction is that this requires nothing of us other than saying we believe in Jesus, whatever that might mean. The alternative is to take the Greek word for belief, which is very similar to the Greek word for faith, pistos or pistis, to take those words seriously. Pistos and pistis is when we open ourselves to God's persuasion. It's not something we pull off on our own. God is the active one here. God is the actor. God is the persuader, and we allow ourselves to be persuaded by what God has done, persuaded to live a different kind of life, live our life in God's way, set aside our expectation of being in control in this life, of living a controlled and managed life, and dare to exchange or engage in listening and exploring and studying. It's a process of discovering God's way, discovering that God's way is not easily reduced to words. It's putting yourself out there for the vulnerable. It's advocating for the widow and the orphan and the least and the last and the lost. It requires sacrifice, maybe your life it requires a lifetime of effort to discern and follow God's way. And more often than we would like to admit, trying to follow God's way leaves us feeling unsure of ourselves and frightened about following this way, which is not our own. 
We started this conversation 40 days ago on Ash Wednesday as we looked at, we recalled, we learned from the words of Joshua speaking to a divided nation. Joshua said, now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods of your ancestors or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, or the gods of shield and sword and spear. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is challenging his divided nation to give up the idolatry of division, being on the right side, thinking, I am right with God, and so God will be, God is on my side, and God is against people on the other side who are wrong. And the idolatry of conflict, the idolatry of being right, had taken over the nation. And Joshua is saying, the angel of the Lord made it clear, but Joshua is now saying to his nation, neither side is right. Because your focus is on your side against the other side. That's where we began 40 days ago. That division of nation has not diminished. In fact, it's gotten a lot worse. And if you want to know the forces that killed Jesus, you need only listen to the stones. In the Old Testament, stones are good for a lot of things. Stones are good for building altars and stacking into monuments. Stones are good for slinging at the head of a giant. Stones are good for building foundations and setting field boundaries between good neighbors. Funny though, in the Old Testament, stones are not good for carving idols or building walls to keep out the undesirable. The Old Testament makes clear again and again that stones will simply not cooperate with such activities. All the idols worshipped in the Old Testament come down. All the walls built to keep out the undesirable fall. In the Old Testament, stones represent the interests of God's creation. God's creation has a voice in stones. Back in Genesis, the direct instruction of God was do not engrave or carve stones with your own words or your own images as it defiles the stone. There is something holy implied there, a link to God's creation that must not be defiled in stone. Jesus was a stonemason. I know, we've been told that he is a carpenter, but here's what caught my attention. If you look at pictures of the Middle East, you notice a lot of trees? <laughs> 
hardly any, almost none. Most of the building that occurs is in stone and mortar and mud. And interesting, not once does Jesus use wood as a metaphor. He uses what he knows, and he uses it repeatedly, stones. Even before Jesus, the Pharisees claimed to have a relationship with God as children of Abraham. And John the baptizer said, God can form children of Abraham from these stones. Produce fruit showing an authentic conversation you're having with God. Jesus is driven into the wilderness after his baptism. The tempting voice says to Jesus, turn these stones into bread to satisfy your craving for food. And Jesus recalls to the tempter, God gave bread to Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness. And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8. In hard times, it is not bread that feeds us, but the word of God the voice of God coming to us through stones. One day Jesus was leaving the temple and his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones and construction, what magnificent buildings. What the disciples weren't seeing was that the temple was not a residence of God Almighty. It was a political tool by which the religious leaders had built a relationship with Herod, and Herod had bought the peace of the religious leaders by placating and making deals that profited the religious leaders, not the people of the nation, and certainly not God. The leaders had turned the temple into a place of dishonesty and injustice. And Jesus is aware of this when he says, Do you see all of these great buildings? Not one stone will be left on another. Jesus wasn't shy about calling shysters what they were. And three times after he talks to people and their behavior, their injustice, their habits are called into question. After he finishes speaking, his opponents are so angry, three times they pick up stones, intent on using them to silence him. If you want to read those, you'll find them in John 8, John 10, and Luke 4. And all three times, Jesus slipped from their grasp and walked another way. Kind of toward the end of the story, as Jesus is entering Jerusalem, he's riding on a donkey, his followers are crying out in celebration. And of course, the religious heat is there to criticize. Jesus recalls the words of the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk was speaking of leaders who always define justice to serve themselves. Habakkuk said, if you build by injustice, the stones of the wall will cry out so bad that they crack. 
Jesus is judging as he comes into Jerusalem and he is criticized by the religious leaders for his followers calling out. Jesus is judging the injustice that they are about to do to him. And he says, if my followers didn't cry out, the stones along the roadway would. Stones are creation's witnesses to the conflict that is always present between the ways of profit and greed and nation and politicians and economy and the ways of God, humility and generosity, patience, respect, empathy, kindness, peace, compassion that costs something. The stones are creation's witnesses. Do you remember at the moment of his death, do you remember what happened? The moment Jesus dies, the earth shakes and the stones split. recalls for our consideration what happened to Elijah when he went running and hiding in the hills from what he was afraid of. God showed up in a wind that was so strong it broke a rock. God showed up in a fire that was so strong it consumed everything. God showed up in an earthquake that broke the earth shakes and the stones split to get our attention back on what we need to be afraid of. And that is displeasing God with injustice. Hmm? The nation Israel and its religious leaders conspired to profit from indecency and injustice they conspired together to destroy anyone who called attention to their hypocrisy. The Roman occupation used all the terrifying tools of empire to oppress. <laughs> and rather suddenly, and quite conveniently, the religious leaders were suddenly able to look past all of that terror that the Roman Empire brought and allow the Romans to become their conspiratorial partner to take out this unholy blasphemer Jesus who does not revere nation and calls himself Messiah. On Easter morning the women come to the grave and find the stone has been rolled away. Fortunately the stones, creation's witnesses, will always be present to cry out when there is injustice. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods of your ancestors or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living, or the gods of shield and sword and spear. But as for me, and my household, we will serve the Lord. May the Spirit of God, whom we see and follow in the person of Jesus, go before you to show you the way, behind you to nudge you forward when you are too scared to move. <laughs>
above you to watch over you, beside you to be sometimes the only friend you have in this world, and within you that you might go in peace, go always in peace.